0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and BetOnline is where you can find it, from basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today and use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Hello, everybody. Hello. Yeah. Uh hey. I know we talked to our audience, Mary Claire. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, 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 it's all part of the whole routine. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh everybody, that was that was the voice of uh uh Mary Mary Claire Dale. You'll hear her later. You know, normally I say good morning, everybody, talking to you guys with Mary Mary Claire's like ready to roll. She's like, Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. Uh anyway, hey everybody. Hope uh, um welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Uh, this is Bill Roden. I'm uh, upstate New York in an undisclosed uh, location, and uh, joined by my friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Uh, Murph, what's happening?
0: Not much. Uh, you know, watching these NBA playoffs. Um, a lot of injuries. Uh, I guess that's just part of sports, as we'll as we'll get into later.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna try to make a connection. Uh, between the dehumanization of both of, of both sports, the NFL and the NBA, how they run these guys like racehorses, you know. Uh, and uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we're going to kind of rely on Mary Claire Dale, uh, who's an AP legal affairs writer, uh, who, who joins has written a, a, a great story. And I'm feeling guilty because I didn't really drill down on this. But it's probably uh, at the at the core of again we talk about this dehumanization, particularly in an NFL, which seventy something percent of the players are African American. And um, uh, Mary Claire has reported uh, a great story about NFL race norming uh, in dementia settlement cases. Um, and and uh, well, first of all, Mary Claire, uh, uh, w-
2: welcome to the show. Thank you so much I'm really honored to be here you know it was really great having you
1: and and again you wrote a a, a um a really great story that hasn't gotten a lot of play per, probably for good reason uh a because it seems at some level just when say race norming it's just like when they talk about critical race theory I mean you say things and at some point they have no meaning so so explain um we're gonna we're gonna double back and explain even more but just give us a sense of what is um what is race norming and how did that become an issue? But first let's let's drill down on what is race norming?
2: Right, and it's understandable that people haven't heard about it because uh, it it did go rather unnoticed in the settlement until about 2018. Um, Well, in medicine, especially in neurocognitive medicine, These tests were designed in the 1990s to really evaluate how people who might or might not have things like dementia, how they compared on tests to their peer group. So you would be tested on a number of things like language skills, executive function, identifying animals or number sequences. And then um, they would score or sort of put you on a curve based on things like your age, your gender, your educational level and race. And this was designed again in the early 1990s by a a doctor in San Diego who used really a fairly small sample group of um, black people in the tests. And in San Diego, they may have largely been military. They may have also been people who were educated during the Jim Crow era and uh, were disadvantaged. And so when you compared how someone did uh, in that peer group uh, among blacks in 1990s you know, in that era, um, if you got a 60 out of 100 on a test, that might've been, you know, a B or an A compared to your peer group. Whereas for a white person who, again, in that era, maybe was more advantaged educationally or otherwise, uh, that might've been a D in, in neurocognitive testing, or at least in the NFL case, you you wanna get the D in a way because that means you've had this disability and they're trying to test for disability. Um, the problems with the way those uh, the and norms are being used in this settlement, uh, the lawyers for Black players say, is that, one, they're binary. It's either Blacks and non-Blacks. And obviously, in America today, there's all sorts of people of mixed race and, you know, different, different races. And, um, and really, people are not uh, – the, the men in the NFL, uh, they are almost their own peer group. They came up in perhaps a similar fashion. They typically had three years of college. You know, they played in the league. So it's really not, they say, you know, accurate to compare them to other populations. They should really be compared to each other.
1: So in other words, let's say, let's just for the the sake of argument, let's say uh, one black guy, you know, suffering from dementia comes in who, um, you know, may have left uh, University of Colorado after two years, but another black man, you know, graduated from Harvard, you know, uh, you know, working on a one but what they do is they now, well, y'all both black, so it doesn't really matter. So we're gonna we're gonna put you in the same box, and we're gonna detract. Uh, we're gonna use race. You know, it's really racism, racism, uh, right. to right to to avoid having to pick. So they just put blackness becomes put in this box, right?
2: Right, and I think in medicine, uh, it was a very crude construct, or um, if that's the right word, for, proxy rather, for, um, for, for a socioeconomic picture. Again, they were trying to say, well, if this person, you know, because of their race historically did not have the right, the, the exact same, um, you know, access to education or uh, socioeconomic level, etc., Uh, we might miss them if we don't, you know, look at that holistically. But in this case, as um, some of the lawyers have very eloquently argued, most of the men in the NFL had three years of college, at least these men of of this age who are retired. And so they are more alike than uh, to each other, whatever race they are, than unalike, Uh, or they, and maybe more uh, more like each other than they might even be um, with other people of their own race, whether it be black or white, because they did have, you know, in one case, there's a case on appeal right now to the NFL where the person graduated from Stanford, uh, I believe it's Amon Gordon. And, you know, that, that's, so it's, uh, you know, to your point about these, these are highly educated men who performed, uh, you know, on the field uh, in very difficult circumstances
1: how did, how did you get on to the story and and well, before we do that oh why why in your estimation is this uh, an important story
2: yeah, it's important. Um, I got onto it because of a lawsuit that was filed last year uh, on behalf of two players, um, Keevan Henry and Najee Davenport. Last year, filed a lawsuit alleging that it violated our the this you know federal civil rights law and was on its face discriminatory because people uh, in the league were or retirees were being treated in disparate ways uh, in such a concrete fashion, you know. But um, the the suit was thrown out, and their suit they filed the suit after trying to uh, change it and and correct the problem through the administrative process. One of the things is the NFL, uh, you know, the uh, fund is being uh, done privately. You know, we in the following the courthouse only see things when they're filed in court, but we don't really see the claims. They're not public. We don't see how much somebody gets, how often they're rejected. So we're only seeing them when there's a challenge to it that reaches the courthouse. And in this case, they were so frustrated after two years of fighting in-house that they did file a suit. It was thrown out. However, uh, you know, amid the uproar, including the demands for racial justice that followed 2020, this story caught on and the judge has now said, you know, while uh, while they can't attack the settlement that they're a part of, that sort of legally she threw it out on procedural grounds. She does want it addressed, and she's asked a magistrate uh, and the two parties to come together and revisit it. And the NFL, in the uh, in the wake of this, has just announced last week that they will. Um, not demand that the uh, scores are race normed in the future and that they've agreed to revisit and rescore the players who were denied awards who believe they were unjustly denied. Well, this is a great story.
1: You're not, now, now, you normally uh, uh, you're, you're a legal affairs writer, so you're not it's not like you cover the NFL. Uh, I don't.
2: It, I don't. But there's been a number of times over the years where, of course, as you can imagine, sports and and cultural issues do come into the courthouse. So, and of course, you know, it is always fascinating. I think uh, so many people, I think sports, you know, has such a big place in the American culture and they, um, people follow these is- issues that come up with it, you know, in sports with such great interest, as you know, I mean, your, your columns really represent that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious, again, as, as a journalist, um, and I don't know if you're an NFL fan or not, but um, sort of in the broader context, what was your thought as a, you know, as a journalist, as a woman, uh, as someone who, I'm, I'm, you know, you're kind of attuned to, you know, biases. This easily could have been, there have been certain studies where where women were sort of, because of certain assumptions, were, were on the short end of the stick. You, you know, uh, and, and all designed to not, normally it has some economic thing. In other words, this was all designed to use, in this case, racism not to pay people. Uh, I don't know what my question is, but what do you think?
2: <laughs> oh, I, I, I totally know what you're, what you're, where you're going with that. I think uh, in the course of my reporting, I, I kind of did some broad interviews with people and thinking about settlement funds and really it comes down to how do you value a life and in this case an injured life right mm. and so i one of the people i spoke with was ken feinberg who i believe was the uh person who administered the 911 fund and and many others and he said in the 911 fund as an example and in others that he led they um approached the settlement fund with the idea that they were going to quote lift all boats meaning that if a white male was a, say, a secretary in the World Trade Towers, and they had decided that his lifetime economic uh, expectation that was lost was X, that any other person that held that job would get that amount. They were not going to discount it even though Sadly, in our society, had it been a, a you know a Hispanic woman in that job, she her lifetime earnings would probably have been less. Mm. But they decided to you know again go about it with this idea to lift all boats and um, and pay them you know what the white male would have earned. Uh, I will say in that case, I believe the funding was from the government. You know, so they were, and it was the um, uh, he told me that the administration was was behind that that you know they wanted to to do that. In this case, you have a payer, you know, is the NFL. And at one point, the settlement fund had been capped at $765 million. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, at that point, the NFL uh, was not appealing so um, aggressively because they kind of probably didn't care how the pie was going to be divided. That was the bill that they had agreed to. But then the judge realized that the fund was going to run out too quickly and so she ordered it to be uncapped and at that point the nfl's um uh appeals especially for dementia which let's face it is probably a somewhat subjective diagnosis more so than alzheimer's and parkinson's and some of the other illnesses in the scheme uh that's when the nfl began appealing and now we're at a point where uh only about 28% of the dementia claims that have been signed off upon by doctors, uh, and these are approved doctors in the settlement fund, only about less than three in ten are actually getting paid on, and that is because the NFL is really going back and looking, you know, for, for ways to let's you know to probably say uh, we've got to contain the damages you know, that, that we're paying out. And I think it's not only economic damages, but reputational damages. Everyone, parents, women, <laughs> moms, are concerned about their sons playing football. Now seeing, you know, the number of um, men in this, in this settlement who uh, later in life have these very debilitating brain injuries. Some of the medical ethicists are saying that the NFL, given this history of head injuries, should really be trying to include people not look for ways to exclude them.
0: Uh, Do we know the breakdown at all between uh, the settlements or the payments that have been dished out already between white and black
2: players? You have just asked the billion dollar question. That is the very figure that the lawyers for the black uh, players who sued have been trying so hard to get. They've been working on trying to get that number as did I uh, when I was doing my reporting. And so far we don't have it. Uh, We, I think they still hope to get it, but it's unclear whether that number um, will really ever see the light of day. Wow. But that, but those, are those numbers available? That's what I'm saying At, at the moment. Oh, you're asking like, does someone have them? uh, that we, we think the settlement fund would have a way to look at their payouts and, um, and, and, you know, maybe they would have to do a little bit of, of coding to get it, but we think they could figure it out. I believe, let's see, there have been, um, I think it's between, uh, my memory serves, 2000 dementia claims have been filed, something under 600 have been paid out on, and there's, I think a small number, maybe a hundred other types of diagnoses that have been paid out on, but really it's the dementia claims that we're looking at here. So, uh, you know, I don't think it would be that hard to figure out as, as I think you pointed out at the top of the show, something like 70% of active players and maybe 60% of uh, retired players are black. So we can maybe make some guesses about, about those numbers. You
1: have that. to go just almost person by person. And yeah, just, just you know, it's doable. You
2: know, it's doable.
1: It's right. definitely doable, and, and it's not only is it doable, but it almost puts a fine point on what we're talking about. You know, it's exactly. one thing to talk in the abstract and generalities,
2: right? And and the, the lawyers are really eager to see that number because they uh-huh. uh, they believe it could be as high as uh, you know. Two or three times as many white claims are being um, proved as black now i will say there's a little caveat because i believe that it's probably true that the white retirees skew older because of the league's history and so right. therefore right. they are probably there's some reason that they would be higher but maybe not that much higher
0: we just mentioned a couple times so the nfl approximately 70 percent black now um you know moving in the future has it been have have you seen or has it at least been argued that that may have something to do with the race norming or with the insistence on using race norming instead of say socioeconomic norming
2: yeah well I, it you know you do have to wonder i mean again it if uh, if they can limit claims in and damages in the among the black players they're limiting it in the majority right um, sort of the flip side of that, I was recently interviewed, um, did a show with Ken Jenkins, who's a retired player who I believe went to Bucknell, but he uh, he and his wife have been um, really the driving force behind this petition drive that dropped off 50,000 petitions at the federal courthouse uh, after the judge dismissed the lawsuit. And they, again, asking to see the numbers that you just asked about, the data, and um we were being asked about whether we thought this settlement and and the dementia problems and things would you know would really lead to the demise of football. But he said, you know as long as there are poor um, largely black youth who want to you know make it in this world, he believes there will always be more people willing to play football. Um, mm-hmm. that, was, that was his his thoughts.
1: Interesting. Uh this last thing this is kind of in the, in the thing of you helping me do my job. What's the what what should we be reporting now? What's the next level of this? Because like I said, when I, I read your piece and read this and I just felt bad, man, this is a whole, this is everything that I've kind of been this, you know, talking about in terms of you know dehumanization and all that. And um so so anyway, what what's the next level of reporting now? Was the
2: next story right? I I, it's interesting. I wrote a few stories about it when the suit was filed last year, and then when it was dismissed, and it really didn't um, get a ton of attention. It got some, but then when I reported just last week or two that the NFL had agreed to uh, not only not insist on race norming going forward, but the big question is whether the scores in recent years, the players who were denied awards, are going to be rescored, and again, that's that. 1,400 people or so and who who applied for funds and were denied. Um, And the NFL has said they would be willing to rescore people. And so that was a pretty key moment. These are mediations that are happening behind the scenes in the federal courthouse. And so we were a little surprised that they were making this statement on the record. But I think, you know, the two things we're looking for is what the data has been by race up until now, but also like what's going to change when they rescore them, you know, that will really show the bias that did exist. You know, if they rescore people, meaning to uncurve it for race, if you will. And, uh, you know, if, if 50% of the people who were denied now get settlements, uh, that would be very interesting. I'm not saying that's going to happen that would, but, I don't know what the number is, you know, but right now the NFL is on course to pay something over a billion dollars out over. It's meant to be a 65 year fund to accommodate everybody who was retired by 2014. I think it was so, you know, um, however old they might be, but you know, will it double their exposure to two billion? Even if it does, I mean, I know that that's not what the NFL hoped to pay in this settlement. But you know, their recent TV contract is for 113 billion dollars, so a lot of people would argue they have the money. And I think that you know yeah, they
1: make that in one game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more than I make at the AP. I know that, but uh, you know, I think that at this point, you know the the um, you know the stories did cause quite a lot of outrage, and I think they might be willing to. You know that that's prompted them to be willing to open their paycheck a little bit more.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, thank you so much. And number one, I hope I, I won't forget this, but I'd like to get your contact information of um, off it because I really would like to dig into this because this is a really would, important story. So happy that you, um, you know, you 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 dug into this because it's uh it's one of those subtleties that 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 has just tremendous implications and, and actually for all players. I mean, we're focused on black players because it's such a bias, but the idea is that the, the the bedrock is the violence of this game and what yeah. it does to people and how this institution will try, no matter what color you are, what as this they 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 they've got a business that runs on your body, you yeah. know, and they're gonna try to you know get as much as they can out of you um, and then pay you when you finally catch up to them,
2: kind of pay you nothing, pay you peanuts. I would be thrilled to talk to you. I can, as I said to somebody last week, I can really nerd out on this story because I have covered it for 10 years. And this was a, um, you know, I don't want to say glitch. That that's too d- diminishing. But it this was a uh, storyline that no one saw coming. I mean, there were a few. The exclusion of CTE in the living that was one. You know, there was a lot of obvious storylines that we knew were going to play out because the settlement was not far from perfect. And you know, it's very hard to design a perfect settlement. I think. But a lot of people thought this was um, really done a bit too hastily. And, to, and really what it did was end the chance of a trial that want, was designed to expose what the NFL knew about the link between concussions and head injuries and what they did or did not do about it. I mean, these were fraud claims, you know. So um, the fact that it settled be long before, in fact, before discovery uh, was very uh, disappointing to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, that, that was my problem. And I forgot what to say. I, I remember I may have even written a column about that when they settled. There were yeah. a couple of settlements, right? Maybe are we, I wonder—are we, we talking about the same? There's one settlement that took place at, about uh, was it the concussions or something? And I was I was just so disappointed for for, for the reasons that you mentioned. That wait a minute, I want to I want to hear about this.
2: When do they know? What do they know? When did they know? So are we talking about the same settlement? We are. We are. It was a it's a class action, so it 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 um, you know. The, the cases were consolidated for discovery before this judge in Philadelphia, and I cover that courthouse. So that's why I was lucky enough to kind of stumble into the story. And, um, but before discovery, they had arguments on the NFL's motion to uh, dismiss the suit because they were under contract because of that, you know, because they said that the contract covered this issue. And, but there was like wiggle room on both sides, meaning that um, the, the players had a little bit of an up, uphill battle because of that argument. Um, because, but there were some players who were playing uh, not under contract for a period of time. And that gave this opening that potentially that rule would not apply to them. And they could get in the door to the courthouse, if you will, and, and proceed, proceed with a suit, you know, I guess I I meant, um, arbitration, like the NFL contract said, these things should be, um you know resolved in arbitration not at the courthouse but there was there were some players who I forgot the reasons why you would probably remember were playing for a short bit of time without a contract maybe it was a strike or something but uh, but therefore they had the right to proceed with the suit and I guess in some ways uh, being that a lot of lawsuits are uphill battles you know it, it there was some benefit to both sides settling but certainly in terms of public expo- um, you know The sunshine on the documents that the NFL had and the history of the NFL's behavior in this regard, that uh, was something we were all hoping to learn more about.
1: Uh, So, yeah,
2: I'd love to talk more with you about it.
1: This is really, 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 really great. Uh, Our guest is Mary Claire Dale. Uh, She's an AP Legal Affairs writer and a 2018 Neiman Fellow at Harvard. Where did you grow up? I'm just curious.
2: Uh, Outside of Philadelphia.
1: Oh, okay. Were you an NFL fan? I mean, are you an NFL fan? Or do you, if you're in Philadelphia, you have to be. I'm almost, of whether course. you like it or not. You know?
2: <laughs> of course. I was in Boston the year Philadelphia won, so that was fun. Oh, great. Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of the six, of the 76ers blowing a 26-point lead?
2: Well, it's okay. a rough morning for us here today. <laughs> Again, right. I'm, I'm so honored to meet you guys. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: no, no. pleasure. pleasure and honor is ours. Thanks, Mary Claire. Take care. That was great Mary Claire Dale. She's an AP legal affairs writer uh, and wrote, uh, really broke and has been on this whole idea of NFL race norming uh, and dementia settlement cases. We're gonna get back on that. Um, So thanks for that. Thanks again to Jamal for uh, reaching out to her and getting her.
0: If you eat meat and want the best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, and the best salmon you'll ever eat, it won't come from a grocery store. You'll only find it on the family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. That's why you need moinkbox.com. Why do just four companies control 80% of the U.S. meat industry? Because big food crushes the little guy. You can help change that with moinkbox.com. So join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe right now and listeners to this show, Get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. That's com slash believe.
1: You know, Jamal, um, we, we talked about, I, I was trying to draw a connection between NFL and NBA. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot to... Um, Talk about the NBA playoffs. I mean, clearly the uh, you know the mainstream stations will cover a lot of that, but hell, we'll cover it too. Very fascinating stuff. Um, I was at uh, I was at the Brooklyn uh, Milwaukee game on uh, I guess it was Wednesday. Yes, was it Wednesday?
2: Yep. Wednesday. Yep. Man, it was
1: as were you. You yep. were there too,
0: yep. so yep. we need to see each other. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize we were there, and we were in the yeah. same section, I think.
1: Same sex, yeah. I was there with the Roden fellow. Uh, uh but I mean, and it is her first, it was her first basketball game, NBA basketball
0: game. A great one to be at.
1: Oh my god, man. Kevin Durant, man. I don't know what it is about again. Like I I always say I'm a cynical, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of all any of this stuff, but right. that was quite inspirational to me, that performance. I mean, clearly if you're a Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, if right. you're cheering
1: for the Bucks, what inspiration though?
0: Yeah, they do not appreciate it.
1: Yeah. But what did you think, man? What did what, what did you think of that game? And what have you thought about the uh postseason so far? Uh the the dehumanization and injuries notwithstanding.
0: Right, right. No, I mean I mean, yeah, the like, like can play, fucking play. <laughs> the Kevin Dur- I mean, that Ke- Kevin Durant game was a um, was amazing. I think it was probably the best uh performance I've ever seen in person. Um, I mean, 49.17 rebounds, ten assists in a game. You know, the Nets had to win right. uh, to stay alive, and it was a it was interesting with Durant because it's a situation that he's not really in that much. I mean, he's always, you know, he's kind of most recently put himself in these situations where he had a lot of help. Where you know, Golden State, he had two other uh, great players with them. Uh, then he goes to Brooklyn with Kyrie. They get Harden. So he's kind of been a long time since he really had to carry a team. And even when he was with Golden State, remember, he's the one who got hurt and left Steph alone to carry the team. So it was an interesting situation for him to find himself in and for him to come through like that because he's been doubted, you know, for some reason. Um, but I mean, and then to do it in Brooklyn and really he brought that Barclays crowd to a level. I've never seen it before. I know. I know. Kind of doubting whether it could get to you know, and so you know, it was like it was like a real New York City moment, right? Know. And then, yeah, and, and
1: then they were down. You know, right. I mean, that's the whole thing. It wasn't like he had right. forty three points, but they were always, you know, they were ahead right. from the beginning.
0: You get right? I mean, be back,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, they were down like at some point by almost eighteen points. Yeah, you know, right. and and a lot of people were thinking. I mean, I went in figuring that's probably what's going to happen. You know. No harden, even if he's in the lineup, you know, Kyrie, of course, out, you know. Right. Uh but then it's like and I was just kept thinking, well, if they get within 10 by the end of the half or somewhere, we've probably got there's a shot at this, you know. And you're you're right. I mean, after after he started bailing them out and hitting shot after shot after shot, then I kept thinking, thank God Boot Buden, is is the opposing coach. Because <laughs> A, you got Harden out there who can't even walk right so how do you not i'm thinking maybe budo try to be but why do you not take this cat apart and make them take him off the court right. you know clear out and say we're gonna go at you every t- until they take you out right. you know right. i mean how do you let a cat you know you know like that even just stay on the court
0: yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'll give Budenholzer some, you know, some of the blame, but I'm, I think a lot of it is the players too, because they were, right. they were isolating uh, Harden a lot. I felt like during the game, like it would be Drew Holiday or even Giannis and they were, the players themselves were bailing him out. I mean, right. you could tell them, okay, okay, we're going to isolate Harden. Uh, Give it to give it to Drew Holiday, but if he's just gonna shoot a jump shot, you know, if if he's gonna get a little nervous and you know, not really do what he's supposed to do, it's it's on the players as well. I I thought Harden played it smart, Um, you know, daring these guys to shoot, you know, using his strength. He he was he was protecting himself. I thought he did a good job. It's funny with Harden, he only I mean statistically he had a terrible game shooting. I think he was like one of ten or over. He played a great game, but I thought he played a great. I thought that might have been his best. Playoff game ever. <laughs> he's not known. He's not. You know. He's, he's known not to show up in these in these games. <laughs> now he's on a a terrible hamstring. He still gets eight assists. Eight right. plays. I mean, he got exposed a couple times on defense, but then he also made some plays. I thought. I mean, to me, it changed. It changed my feeling about him totally. Exactly. <laughs> no, me Because
1: you're right. Know, we've been killing him, man. Those right. games, he's there, but not there. You right. know. And here he was. He was not there. I mean, he was there uh, right. and he was really present. And I just thought it made sense in a, in a bizarre way to have him there.
0: Right.
1: Uh, even like, I forget the name of this. Oh, man. Uh, Lou used You always talk about this guy. Maybe we'll have to Google it. Right. But the Spanish, who was the Spanish general who was dead, but they tied him up to his horse <laughs> and sent him in the battle to psych everybody out. It's the Spanish. Well, I have to think about got that. Yeah, it's, it's the Spanish general who's killed in battle. But they tied I remember Lou Carneseca, the former St. John's coach, used to always talk about when he was justified playing a star player. Right, he said it's like sending General Astellisimo or something into battle, <laughs> even though they had him propped up in his horse and just psyched out the opposition. And oh my god, this guy is like <laughs> <laughs> Right,
0: right. That's
1: perfect. <laughs> you know, I'll think of it at some point. But anyway, uh, but yeah, no, that was um, that was a great performance. And then I'm like stunned, you know, same thing, Kawhi's hurt, right. you know, so I mean, well, that's it, that's, it for the, that's it for them, you know, that's it for the Clippers, you right. know, because I kind of wanted to see them. It was a good story. Oh, well, that's done. Then I get a taped it in, just lo and behold, looked at this morning. And, you know, what I do is like, you know, you, you get a DVR or whatever, and I go, you know, so I looked at the first half, I mean, first quarter, the up by six, I'm, what? Then I looked a little more they by eight. I'm like, what? And then, you know, going to third quarter, they by nine. I'm like, what? Yep. You know, and then it turns out that your boy off. they call it pandemic. Pandemic P.
0: Yeah. Pandemic P.
1: <laughs> pandemic P. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this guy is having a great game. Right off. I think the Clippers put out a stat um, this morning saying that he's the second, He's he's only the second player ever after Kevin Durant's game the other day to have over 35 and 15 in a playoff game or something like that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was watching that game. I fell asleep in the fourth quarter, but I was like, I kind of knew they were going to lose at that point. I was like, I, I, I got it. I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. The Jazz are going to lose. Donovan Mitchell's, you know, he's dealing with that, you know, limping around. I was like, there's no way if he can't bring him back, it's not going to happen.
1: Right.
0: Wow. But, you no, know, I was expecting that. I, I was expecting the Jazz to win the next two games after, you know, right. once Kawhi went out. So yeah,
1: it, yeah, I mean, you know. it's, it's, it's a wrap, you know, and then last but not least, you know, look at Philadelphia, you know, oh. I'm like, oh, these cats up by 28 points, Well, it's over, you oh. know, and oh. then, and then when well, so I said, wait a minute, how did they blow a 28 point, so of course, you know, all day today, they bring up all of Doc's, Doc Rivers previous, you know, collapses, you know, I that don't know if
0: that's Doc right there, that wasn't a good look for Doc. Oh my God, at home. The game, game is one, you know, yeah, I had a, I had a bet with a friend. I had, I had seven and a half points. I said, Atlanta would uh, lose by less than seven and a half. I'll, when they start coming back, I was just worried about that. I was like, Oh, well, they might come in seven <laughs> and lose. I didn't expect them to win the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they win the damn game. So, you know, so, so I guess when you ask at this point, I mean, you know, people be listening to this today, to me, when you say the biggest winners and losers of all this stuff at to date, to date, you know, uh, Kevin Durant. I mean, uh, Trey Young, clearly.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Trey Young. And then, you know, I'm hearing these cats talk about, well, you know, Luca and Trey, well, you know, if you had to do it all over. Knowing what we know and you had to do it all over again and you still take Lucas, it was that's the black tax. You know, how could you know everything you had to know and you're going to still take, you know, Luka, you know, I guess maybe because he's six seven, but also because yeah. he's white.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and having a white star at a franchise probably – is a, is a, you know, in a league that's dominated by, but you know, everybody needs Tarzan, you yeah.
0: know, I mean, he's one Tarzan. of the people are even still talking about Luca right now. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a great player. He was first team all NBA. I get it. You probably, you, you know, you could, you, you know, you probably still do take him over trade just because it's of, just off the height alone, you know, six, no, eight, nine no yeah, is in the NBA. That's, that's just a fact. Right. So, cause basically I, I, used, I looked at it a while back. I was looking at the stats their stats are basically the same except for rebounding and and that's because Luca is six eight, six nine.
1: I, I just don't know if you put and maybe maybe it's a wash, if you put uh Luca Dante with Atlanta, because remember, man, Trey Young also played a little bit of defense if he was hurt. You right, know, Luca right. Dante plays no defense. I mean, in other words, he just I'll be down here, I, you know. You know.
0: I mean, they both played no defense, really. And I mean, and Trey and Trey has an excuse because he's, you know, he's, he's so small. Like, right. you know, what I mean, Luca doesn't have an excuse. You should be able to do a little something, right?
1: So, right. Well, but you, as a GM, though, you would still take Luca, knowing even knowing what you know.
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would take. I mean, just the, I mean, that that's size. Right. You know, he's just big. I mean, you know, he can he can do so. It allows him to do some more things. Right. Uh, but I mean it. You know, if I'm Atlanta, you know, people made the argument early on that Trey might be a better fit in Atlanta, based on the fan base and all that kind of stuff. He's a little more flat. Flat. Well, Lucas kind of flashy.
1: Dallas didn't really. So I guess I'm trying to make something out. I guess it doesn't have to be this, no, but, binary decision.
0: but I think I, I do agree. I think I think he gets he gets you know he he gets that extra oomph of of coverage and and and. Uh, you know, fandom because because he is is white, you know, like like all of a sudden now people want to say he's you know, he's the greatest 22 year old ever to play. Right. I've heard people say that. Really? Uh, Le- I looked at the stats yesterday because I heard people talking about it yesterday. LeBron had better and slightly better stats mm-hmm. to magic had had about, you know, comparable stats at 22 and had more accomplishments. I think he, remember he won the whole thing as a rookie when he played. You know, you came in when, when Kareem got hurt. How, how,
1: how was Kobe when when uh how what when Kobe was twenty two, right? Because he came in the league when he was eighteen or something, right?
0: Yeah, Kobe's probably up there too, but Kobe probably doesn't have the like the rebounding assist stats, you know. But you know, but he, a, he
1: already had it. Didn't he have a championship by the time he was twenty two?
0: Well, he had Shaq too, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. I give Kobe. You know, I, I always try to throw the Shaq thing in there on Kobe, but I will give Kobe his props.
1: <laughs> see, Jamal, you're part of the problem. You're, you're part of the same group of people who's probably killing Durant because that's like somebody somebody works for like the Dallas Morning News or, or I, I shouldn't you know you right. know something yeah. like that, but has always wanted to work at the New York Times. Right. Right. And so you know you work you work at the paper. You you do the best you can, right. and then you the Resources, I said. You know what? I'm never gonna get. I, I'm gonna take the job at the New York Times. And, and I never, then, I and never. You I you, k- you kill him. Why why, <laughs> why why the fuck? Why why are you killing me for, for doing that? You know. And I then, never, then I goes, never then
0: killed. Pull, then he was two pullers. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I never killed Durant from going to Golden State or anything like that. All I said, if 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 if, if anything, I just said he what he did not have the the, the career that, that LeBron had in terms of, like, I felt like LeBron had just- Okay, like, like, like who
1: else had? Like who else had? No, no, who else
0: that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying in the, when people try to say he was better than LeBron, that's the only, then I'll bring it up. Then I'll say, wait, well, LeBron, he actually took a team of nobodies to the finals one time, you know what I'm saying? But now Durant doing something like this, he's, he's, he's inching up there. He's inching up there. It's, uh, but let me ask you a question
1: before, before we move on. This whole, I, let's say Jamal, you know, you know, you're at. Uh, you went to Poly Prep, right? You went right. to Poly. Prep. Okay, and you're on a team. Let's say there's a team that had a star player, right. right? And the star player got hurt, but you guys banded together and did really well, got to stay tight. But they called you guys nobody. Well, man, you got a group of nobodies. <laughs> now, how would you feel? You got group, being called a nobody. I mean, you're somebody, right? You're you're somebody, and you guys decided that. Well, we're on the team for, for a reason. We all have okay. these skills that maybe I can shoot now. Now he ain't there. I, I've always been a scorer, but my role was not scoring score, was a rebound. Well, hell now I can score. Somebody else said, you know, I was a ball handler, but because of him, I couldn't ball handle. Now I can ball handle. But then but I'm gonna call you, I'm the sport. I'm gonna call you got nobodies. So same thing, Kawhi, whether it's Kawhi leaving and whatever, you know, we call the rest of the clip is nobodies or uh, <laughs> the rest of the
0: that's nobody's,
1: you know, or so, I mean, Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a little unfair.
0: Little unfair <laughs> a little unfair what of me. About that? <laughs> a little unfair <laughs> of me. They they're they are somebody. They're they're good basketball players. I am somebody. You know? well, they're, I am. they're just not, you know, Clay and Steph or uh Dwayne Wade and uh Bosch, you know. But they are but so
1: everybody, but even those guys need somebody. So they, they the somebody can't be nobodies. I mean, you know, all those great guys, it's not like we're talking about alpine skiing or bowling or like tennis. Tennis, right. So, I mean, you need you know, Tom Brady. I mean, you you need right. You need people. You need people to protect you, you need people to catch, you need people, and you need an opponent like 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 the 76, uh, you know, the, the, the the hawks needed the 76ers to be terrible, to be able to, I mean, so you need somebody.
0: Right, no, no, I agree with that. And you bring up Tom Brady. I mean, he was, smartest thing he did, obviously, was when he went to Tampa Bay, he brought a whole bunch of great players with him.
1: Right, 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 A.V. So, yeah, but but that's good, that's just a little rant. Uh, But, uh, uh, you know, the the Durant thing reminds me, how do you kill somebody for trying to better, but every time I get in these arguments, I realize, that this is why we're in radio. You got to create shit and keep it going. You got to start it because you got three hours to get whatever
0: you have to like. Create people, buy it. people buy into that stuff and they live by it. And they they actually believe it. You know, because I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you kill him just for making the move. But I do think or 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 wanting to win championships or. or and then he did. He, th- he, was never gonna, I he proved himself in those finals. He You know, he was he won two finals MVPs. I mean, was, not like he was just alone for the ride.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean had, had he not had and, and, and Draymond I mean, had he not gotten hurt uh against Toronto, they probably would have beat they probably would have won that get up. You had the, the whole collective side of relief in Canada right that this discounting deck because there's no way that we're gonna beat these guys with a healthy Kevin Durant. But right. um I mean like you working with UPS. Right, something, Yeah, something, and you just have an opportunity to, to leave to go to a better I should Situation. say. Yeah. I, mean, I, like, I like UPS. And right. I like next I mean, I, I was just saying, it, everybody who, it, 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 all of us who work for a living, and that's the whole thing. You're one corporation, one company, or whatever, and then you want to get to a a better corporation, right? You more of this. So anyway, that's uh, to me. It's it's um, you know, you hear this stuff, but I, I get it. You, you have to say. But I'm here, cats who should know better. Uh, I'm listening to uh, I listen a lot of you know serious NBA radio. During the baseball season, series, NFL reason, uh, radio during, but so I'm listening to these guys, you know, Eddie Eddie Johnson, that's name,
0: yeah, yeah, you From know, the ex uh, son, I think,
1: not, you know, uh, good bench player, good off the, you know, you know, but who kills, who buys into this stuff? So how could you, as a former player, as as they all like to call it, as a former player, as a former player, kill a guy, you know, for leaving a situation that's untenable. To go to a better situation where he could actually win a championship. He was not gonna win a championship for, with Russell Westbrook.
0: Right.
1: He knew that. Yeah, he, he knew, it. knew that he just, went through it.
0: he just went through it.
1: <laughs> yeah. He said, I know. He said, I'm not, I love this guy. I, I'm not winning a championship with this guy. And guess what? Well, still in one championship, you know. And right. he said, why not go to this team where I may win shit? Man, I may play in the final like, three more years.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, so, uh, yeah, I don't understand. I, I guess the former players they're, they're fans also, maybe. Right. Um and then, and then you know, like he, Barkley killed Durant too. And he did the Didn't he do the same thing? Didn't he didn't he go to Houston to join to try to join with Elijah and Drexler? Right. And, and,
1: and right. Yeah. And I mean and, and what is the constant strain of all that? And I mean, obviously, like man, we all love Charles Barkley. I mean, right. you know, you know, but still, but I think if you just purely look at as sports writers, that's what we do. You know, we kind of just look at these things. We get to compare generations. We get to compare. You know, that's what we do. We watch. That's you look where you are. You're in the press box. Right. You know, and in the press box, that's why they have us sitting high up. You know, because as right, that's what we do. We have the long view, the big view, the big view of a game, the big view of history, the get big, the big view of careers. How many, how many careers? By the time you're 60 years old, you've probably seen about six generations right. of people—the beginning, middle, and end. You know, right. At some right. point, you'll be on people's sons and grandsons right. playing. So, so you get a chance to observe stuff, and uh, you know this kind of stuff with, you know, uh, I forget what my point with, with Durant or whatever. So, well, man, this cat—you know—he knew that he knew that. Uh, he knew that uh, you know, and remember, you remember when they lost, they were up 3-1 and they lost. And he probably said, man, I cannot win with this guy. Right. You know, I can't win with this guy, you know. And uh, I, I really respect Durant, you know, because of all the chirping, you know, and we all face chirping in our lives where everybody knows what's better for your life than you do. Right. You know, and he's, no, man, I, I, I'm not spending another hour on this team in this city. Right. You know, I mean, Oklahoma City versus San Francisco.
0: <laughs> I mean, a, You can't. You can't. Yeah. I mean, that, that, the Golden Gate. I mean, and then you go to and then you go to Brooklyn, you know, new right. franchise kind of, you know, New York City. You can't. I mean, it's a smart business move. And ever since KD has been in Brooklyn and I've got a chance to, you know, listen to him every day in the press conferences, I have much more respect for him. I mean, he's a, just a very honest, straightforward guy. Um, doesn't doesn't like to play a lot of the games with that the press try to play and and he and he tell he'll tell you that you know? right. so I kind of i have much more respect just from seeing him close up for a, for an entire year uh you know much more respect for him
1: yeah and always yeah i was there was a documentary that he did uh um and the first thing it shows him I forget the name of it, but it shows him. Uh, at the very beginning accepting the war, but he talked about how growing up, you know, growing up something, he was always, he was always like second or third or something, like, you know, uh somebody else wants something. And then somebody else wants something. He was always, and it was a very humble thing. You learn how he, he grew up and all that kind of stuff. And again, you know, maybe had he not a guy like that probably would have been successful, but you know, had he not shot up to be like six eleven. Right. Where would you have been? Now you gotta assume that with the dry he's got he probably would have been, but the way society, particularly white dominated society, values black people. You know, they value black people and this corporate driven thing. They'll value black people who can make them money. Right. You know, if right. you can make us money, then we'll value it. But if you can't make us money, then we'll put you then on this section where you go to jail, where you go to prison, you know, uh where we make money from that. You know, we gotta make money from you one way or the other. Either we will make money of you, make money off of you, or if you're athletes, we'll make money, but you'll get make, to make some money too. <laughs>
0: right. you, 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 you'll make a certain percentage, you know, right. a, a low percentage of what we're gonna make.
1: Yeah, and, it's, and as Mary Mary Claire Dale, Mary Claire Dale was saying, like in NFL, you know, like you were saying, we'll get it both ways. If you're playing NFL, and again, we we know eventually it's a 100% injury and you may end up really getting it fucked up. You know, right. then we're going to use racism to not pay you to not to not pay you what right. we should pay you and then you know it, it's it's just, it's just
0: yeah. ex, exploitation 360. You know what I'm saying? Right. 360 exploitation. We're going to exploit you when we get in when you get you in there uh, you know, we're not going to protect you. Not gonna give you guaranteed contracts. You know, seventy percent black. When 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 things you care about come up, we're not going to let you talk about it. Blah blah blah. And then when it, then when it's all over, when you're done out and and we've used your body up and you're hurt, guess what? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're not going to give you settlements because you're black. Also,
2: because... <laughs>
1: right right. We get you coming. We get you coming, and we get you going. Yeah. You know. And even I was like, how Lebron Lebron was complaining about this whole the way the NBA, you know, did this whole thing. And why, why do you think all these stars are getting broken down? The Man, just shut up. You know, just, just be quiet. You, you want,
0: want that money, right? You want that you money. Want the money. Right. You want that $35 million. Right. Uh, you don't have to play. And then, you know, the guy, and they always prey on the guys who need, it, who need it the most, who aren't the big stars. So they're like, right. hey, we got to play. We don't have a choice.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so in, in that industry, you're held hostage. You know, you're, you're kind of held out, no matter how much money you make. Right. You know,
0: because your source of your money is you playing. Hey, and, that, and that's what the guy, you know, LeBron is saying, you know, I tried to tell you guys. But though, but those players he was trying to tell knew that at the time. But they were like, hey, hey, guess what, LeBron? We we, we ain't living like you. We don't right. got it like you. You right. know, we, we we don't play. It ain't like, you know, if LeBron doesn't could skip, he could just retire right now. He could skip years. He's fine. Right. Most of the players can't do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hence. 40 million dollar slaves. I've just been reminded that the 15th anniversary of being public is July 11th. So okay. no
0: no no party, no party set up.
1: I mean, we talk about a 40 million dollar slave. Is that is that a party? Is plant? <laughs> yeah. Not
0: really, not really.
1: <laughs> was, well, yeah, no, but to your point. Maybe we should do our we should do a am uh, call uh, we should do something at Chocolat.
0: Yes, yes,
1: definitely. We should we should do a uh, we should do an event, we should yep. do a podcast. Definitely. New podcast from Chocolat to celebrate the 15th anniversary.
0: Of and, you know, and you know restrictions, no more restrictions in New York City. No more Pandemic is over. Uh, we, can, we can pack them in, Chocolat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that slave ship. Just pack them in. Can we get two more in there?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: All yeah. right. Uh, anything else to uh, to go over? We talked about uh, injuries, the miracle diamond. Poor Donovan Mitchell. I'm just wondering, you know, well, you saw in Philadelphia. I I wonder if 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 these collapses, man. You know, I'm I'm wondering about this ongoing tension of these predominantly white fans and black players, and how, you know, and, and and what is that tension about, particularly when you have teams of collapses and all that. Do you all of a sudden, you know? Maybe we ought to do, we ought to have some white fans on sometimes. How do you, well, we need to have some white fans on who hate black people, but who are like season ticket holders at the 76ers games. So how do you reconcile that? Like,
0: yeah. not they're really not, liking that. They're not going to admit it, you know. Yeah. It's, always, it's worse to be called a racist than to be a racist, be <laughs> I know. Uh, just don't call me one. Yeah. Just don't call me one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be, well, maybe we'll do that on July 11th. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't like black people. I just like the 76ers. I
0: don't like you we, know. we need we need the truth serum, you know, for that. Yeah, no, but yeah. uh, what do you think about all these uh these football players uh being asked if they've taken if they've taken the uh if they gotten vaccinated and they won't answer? Like the new mm-hmm. the new uh and LeBron in did that also. He wouldn't say whether he was vaccinated, he said it was a personal decision. But, like the new Jets quarterback I think Zach Wilson, number two overall pick, they asked him if he was vaccinated. He says, a personal decision, you won't tell. McCaffrey uh, from the running back from the Panthers and went to Stanford. He's saying, oh, you know, it's a personal decision. I'm not going to. What is that all about? Well, well, I think you know what it's about. Uh, well, I,
1: I'm not sure, but it's something, some kind of way it has to do with anti vaxxers. Everybody says they probably voted for. for Voted voted for POTUS, that the the last clown that was in the White House. I I guarantee you, you know. I I wonder what percent. So that's my first take. Anybody says that, probably voted for that. That clown. Ron said it too. Well, maybe he did too. (laughs) But I think, I think, well, I think Chris Paul got vaccinated. I think
0: that's 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 the the rumor. That's
1: the rumor. He got vaccinated, but
0: you know, I, I think. Politically, and
1: again, this is a stereotypical statement, but a lot of athletes, I mean, I was looking at the old thing of Will Chamberlain, who is a conservative Republican. Mm. And probably, again, man, we'd have to talk about this or talk to somebody like DeMar Davis. A a lot of these guys may be more conservative than you think. Think about it. You know, they kind of grow up, uh, and by the time they get identified as being valuable, they are put in this bubble.
0: Right.
1: By these white, this white bubble, whether you know these big universities, where would they begin to come from? High school, probably. Yeah, that you are not like these other people, these other blacks, right? You know, you can do something with your family, you can be so. so you're we're going to treat you differently right. than the other blacks, right? You know, uh, and I guess I think that some kind of way, man, this sort of slave mentality or whatever, really, that the white man's ice is in fact colder because all the the, the best houses that you see, the best land, the best this, the best white people always seen the, the best bottles of wine, the best this. And if I hang with them, they can also keep me to the land of milk and honey. Right. You know, so I just think you see enough of this stuff, man. You know, and you start thinking about it. And then you know a guy like Donald Trump and that whole group of storm of the white yeah, I don't know, maybe they got something there. You know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, some whatever that shit fucking mechanism that goes in your mind that comes out thinking, yeah, I ain't going to get vaccinated because it's all part of, you know, whatever. So I just think there's this conservative kind of thing. And, and until there's a George Floyd or Trayvon something where where you get a peek, a glimpse at, you know, they just think you're nothing but another N-I-G-G-R. You know that, don't you? And and you, know, and you kind of get a glimpse. Damn, man, they see me. I thought, yeah. But then it,
0: it, the, the curtain closed real quick. And that yeah. goes to the that goes to the fan issue too. I mean, that's another that's, that's another thing that should open their eyes to that. You know, right. cheering. I'm I'm watching the game. Like I, I can't help but think about it all the time when I'm watching the game and I see Embiid, you know, talking trash or, you know, and is and the crowd going crazy and he's soaking right. it up and it's like 99 white people that you right. know would turn on you in a second. Right. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it's like right and probably and probably are now as we speak. The minute. Right. Right, so you
0: lost that game,
1: right? You're big African. I mean, (laughs) yeah, but you know, again, it's it's probably, uh, and and you look at the entire, many times the entire world is white, right? The people who sell the houses, or you know, the real estate people, the bankers, most cases the agents. You know, you live in this world because you're making the people the publicists. You know, if you look at the the entire world. Is white white control? Now the white control might put some black folks around you just to create the illusion. Right. That some black folks there, but you're yeah,
0: the like, like in the world, like the assistant to the agent. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The runner. Right. You know the runner. Yeah, and even that name, the runner. You're like, do like, that you like you all those a, all the agents' assistants are, are usually black. Yeah.
1: I mean. hey, man, Yeah, brother. I, you know
0: just. <laughs> oh god man what? that's like six six podcasts right there
1: yeah yeah that's, that's a 1619 project that's what it is the 1619 project yeah. oh man all right well with that um you know uh enjoy uh, the rest of the day thanks for another great great discussion all our listeners be
0: safe continue yeah, to
1: be, be smart
0: <laughs> be safe uh keep following us on instagram uh at brospod on Twitter at brospod and we're brought to you by Bet Online. Get out there and bet on these games.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Go broke. <laughs> All right. And hey, God bless.